Jan, 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 Jan Arden podcast, Jan Arden podcast. Wow. That's just something, a new angle that, that I've been working on. <laughs> We're trying everything. We really are. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have huge news today. <laughs> and um, I, I've been given permission to talk about it. But, you know, in a world where you feel like the walls are coming down and the future looks uncertain and there's always something that brings a lot of joy. <laughs> I'm sitting here with Caitlin Green, my friggin' fantastic sidekick, Adam Karsh, <laughs> my other sidekick and producer, engineer, uh, you know. Anyway, um, we're a team and our motto is three people can't be wrong. So <laughs> but today, ladies and gentlemen, I got a phone call yesterday and we're adding to the team because Caitlin is what? Pregnant. <laughs> yeah, we've got a fourth team member who is currently expanding my ribs against my will. <laughs> they better step up. They better yeah. be interesting. I don't want I know. any of this goo goo gaga crap. He's got to come with the content. This is a kid who's, <laughs> he's got to be able to tell a story right is away. It a, is it a he? It is. Yeah, it's a boy. <gasps> okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing, I'm not going to do a uh, gender reveal forest fire for everybody. I'll just tell oh, people God. like a regular human being. <laughs> well, then I'll take back my, my uh, flares that I bought you, my road flares, because <laughs> I thought all the neighbors could just shoot them randomly into the sky. Yeah. It's a funny time to be, obviously, to be pregnant. It's a funny time to like announce that you're pregnant. Cause like nobody can see you. So everybody's like, are you getting bigger? What do you look like? So it's kind of like a, in a weird way. It's like, you're capable of keeping a secret for a long, long time, which is kind of cool. Well, I'm just so happy for you guys. And I don't think you've been trying for years, correct? Like this isn't, no. this no. isn't like we got married. We wanted to try right away. Like you guys wanted to travel. Mm-hmm. You wanted to see some sites. You wanted a pandemic to set in, <laughs> you know? So he, you made me laugh the other day when you told me, Caitlin, because it was like, what, what did you call it? A, a, a coronial. <laughs> coronial. <laughs> so that's what they're calling babies born during the pandemic because I didn't realize, but apparently there's a little bit of a baby boom happening right now. And well, I mean, it makes sense. Everyone's been home and just hanging out. And also if you're somebody like me who... I, I don't slow down naturally. Like normally I would be planning trips and going out with friends and drinking and partying and whatever. And I've been forced to really not do any of that. So my, my FOMO, my fear of missing out has been pushed aside just long enough to say, oh yeah, I guess I should just be sitting on the couch anyways, wearing sweatpants. I might as well be pregnant. <laughs> I think the timing's perfect. Is there any weird cravings? That's hmm. the first part of my question. And the second part is, what do you miss? Because I know you can't do like sushi or there's like unpasteurized or certain cheeses you're not supposed to do. Like I know the last decade, the list has gotten exponentially longer for women of their cans and cannot do. It's like, I don't know how the three of us are alive. Like, no, we I know. But now there's just so many things. Oh, you can't do that. So I think I was craving, my cravings weren't that bad at the beginning. I, for some reason, did go through a phase though where I was craving pecans, like hmm. an illogical amount where I would just be sitting there eating like pecans, like by the handful. 
and usually with like dried fruit or something like that. I ate a lot of toast. Toast is a savior because in the first trimester, yes. if your stomach is feeling a little off and I was super lucky, knock on wood so far that I felt great and I haven't had any serious morning sickness, like no throwing up, no nothing. And because I work in morning radio, so I'm up so early, I was really worried that I was going to be like running off air to barf, which didn't happen. But they Good. say the key for that is to eat like eat small meals like every two hours. So I had a lot of toast in the beginning, which was great. Uh, I love carbs and bread. So that was fine with me. And the only thing I miss really, I do, I mean, I genuinely miss drinks. So I miss alcohol and that <laughs> okay, is Okay, Lynn. Yeah, I love uh, you. Oh, but I do miss my morning margarita. Like I do. I like the sound of the blender. I'm getting out of bed. My husband, he knows. And he knows, he knows. I love the fresh lime. He knows <laughs> that I don't like the crap tequila. No, nope. I... So... Let me ask you this, because women, people are very intuitive about their bodies. I know that I am. Like, I, I, I think I'd be the worst pregnant person ever, thank God, those <laughs> days. That ship has sailed. Like, if I get pregnant, like, truly, you guys need to get me to, like, a Catholic priest, because it's some kind of miracle. Anyhow, um, did you know you were pregnant, like, within the first few days? Like, I've literally had girlfriends that have said to me, oh, my God, I knew the next morning. Uh, we had uh, we went out, we had sex that night, and I woke up and I knew I was pregnant. So any of that kind of not that like really not that, um, but I did know because like I'm like I know people probably listening are like okay TMI, but I'm fairly <laughs> I, I have my schedule in my life and I'll leave it at that. And yeah. I am I you can set your watch to my personal schedule. Okay. So for me, when it was a little bit like oh that's weird, this isn't here right now when it should be. Um, yeah. I felt like I knew just because I was like, I just know myself. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not like super young. So I was like, I kind of have this figured out. So I figured. And the only thing I will say, which was funny, as I, my, my husband was out golfing this, and I just decided, well, I might as well take a pregnancy test. And I like, I didn't genuinely think I was pregnant, but I had like a suspicion enough that I bought a test and I fully just was like, oh, I'll just like go take the test. No big deal. Relieved. Well, I have one of my best girlfriends coming over that day. It's a Sunday. We're going to sit on my balcony and have some cocktails. So she's coming over with her like Aperol spritz kit. And I decide like some <laughs> idiot that I'm going to just take the test by myself because I really didn't think it was a big deal. Okay. Like, I should have waited for him to be home. I should have waited to not have a friend coming over. And I just took it. And I think I lost all the blood from my face. So what are we dealing with? For those of us who don't know how long. So you do yeah. the little the stick test, right? Mm -hmm. So is yeah. it five minutes? Is it 10 minutes? You wait and it's two blue lines or one pink? What, the, what, the, what is it's, it? This one is two blue lines. And for positive. So, for positive. And, so you, and you can see like you're honestly, like you can see the color change of the whole stick. <gasps> and, and like... Sometimes you don't have enough pregnancy hormone yet in your urine, like to even pick it up or okay. you'll get a faint line or whatever. I, it literally hit the first, <laughs> the first one right away, dark blue, second one, dark blue within like 10 seconds. So I was like, oh. okay. So I'm like legit fairly pregnant because you have, I, it, there was no two ways about it. And these home tests, like they don't mess around. They're very yeah. accurate. So I knew right away, listen to this. As I, like, I was listening to a playlist that I have um, at home and I have it playing in our place and I'm getting ready for a friend to come over. And there is a song called, it, it, the, the chorus is this is the, this is the day your life will surely change. It's an 80s song and the band is called The The. And the whole chorus is, this is the day your life will surely change. This is the day your 
Okay, that's the universe. It is, it is, totally, you're right. I thought I was going to faint. It is one of those things from the time you're a little girl that we all think about what our future looks like and if we are going to have a family. Mm-hmm. And you were an only child, Caitlin. Yeah. So you grew up kind of in, in a wonderful, like I, I think there's, there's so many great things about being an only child. I really do. I believe that's kind of the way forward, I think, for humanity. That's just my opinion. <laughs> um, you're well looked after. It's manageable. It's affordable. It's yeah. environmentally friendly. Like, I know I'm sounding like an idiot. I have two brothers, <laughs> right? But, but, you know, this is probably going to be your only person. I think so because I, I mean, my husband and I are, we're pretty sure that we're a one and done, you know, family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, ne- I mean, I was a, like, I never thought that I was going to have kids. If I'm being totally honest, I never really banked on it growing up. Uh, I also never really thought I was going to get married. I did not like imagine myself when I was younger being married with kids as like the, the high point of my life. I'll say that. Um, and I, that's not to take anything away from it. No. But me personally, I think probably because I grew up as an only child in a way, like I didn't have a ton of family around. Um, I really wanted to travel. I really wanted to be like a world like explorer. And I wanted to have a successful career. Like I was far more interested in that than I was in, you know, being at home with a family. That just wasn't my, wasn't my deal. So this was a fun surprise, like meeting my husband and, and being excited about that fun surprise. Um, being excited about being pregnant is a fun surprise. Like, I'm like, oh, look at that. It worked out. But that's, I think it's a great way to, I, what, what it tells me about me is you live in the moment. Like yeah. you're not planning your life. Geez, when I do this, when I, when, when I get married or when I, you know, lose 50 pounds or when I have this job, when I, when I do this, and this is when my, my real life will start. And I think people mm-hmm. miss out on the life that they're living right the here and now. COVID has given us a bit of the here and now. You know, there's totally. no, there's no, uh, we have to kind of stand where we're standing. I think um, for me, I remember turning 40 and you're kind of dealing with your biology as a woman in your, in your thirties. I don't know about you, Caitlin. And sorry, Adam, this is sort of, you're on the outside <laughs> of this looking in, but my body was telling me, have kids, have kids, have kids. You got to do it. I was laying in bed at night. I was so worried. I was just like, you know, I was, I was in relationships. I was out of relationships. Like time was ticking. A very good friend of mine who I've talked about on the show, Nigel, who went to Bermuda. <laughs> um, you know, we had a, we were drinking and we had this conversation. I was about to turn 40 and I said, Nigel, I, I think I want to have a baby and you do it with me. And we were, we were like two bottles of wine in, we were going to do this. And, you know, he lives in London and I'm here. And then we were thinking about logistics of getting sperm to me. And, you know, and then he's just like, he'd had enough drinks to go, well, why don't we just do it a couple of times, you know? And I'm like, oh my God, this is like one of my best friends in the world. And I'm thinking, and he's in a relationship. I was just, (laughs) anyway, the next day we were just like, the the clear light of day presented itself. And, And then I just, I saw that ocean liner out on the horizon slipping into the sunset right <laughs> anyway um it's a it's such an adventure we're really happy for you you're listening to the jan arden podcast i'm here with caitlin green and adam karsh and we're going to be right back will that still be popular when my kid is like cognizant of music i want yes! i kind of I wonder about that. Slash, I kind of hope there's something that's less catchy because that's Caitlin, gonna be stuck in my head all the day. The kid, 
the kids are just discovering prints, okay? <laughs> That's true. Discovering prints. They're going back. Oh my God, there's this new band, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. I'm learning all the guitar parts. You know, yeah. if you do, you play Garage Band, you guys. Mm-hmm. You've never done. Yep. Or, sorry, not is it? Is it that Guitar, guitar Hero band? Guitar, Guitar, guitar Hero. Hero. Sorry, yeah. Guitar Hero or That's rock the, band. The, that was the musician. Yeah, that was the musician to me coming out. That's a yep. like a writing program. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the kids don't play to modern music. Guitar, it's, there's no guitar music out there now. It's all no. like retro. It's like like the retro stuff is the guitar stuff. The new stuff's all keyboards. It's all synths. There's, mm-hmm. there's like a Beatles pack, I think. You can download oh. different artist packs, right? So that's your, where it's at. Oh so no, your your son Arden will be totally fine. <laughs> Adam Arden. <laughs> that's that's actually a very nice first name. Like it's a nice no, it last is. name, but it's a very nice first name too. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I actually do have uh, a Jennifer, if you're out there, my friend Jen, who was 15 years old when she started coming to my shows. She is, I think, gosh, she's, you, Jen, you've got to be close to 40 now. But her son, her 15, 16 year old son is named Arden after me. Oh, that's nice. That's so nice. Yeah. No, and they've come a long way. So good for you, Jen, if you're listening. Um, so what, now what happens now? What's the new modern thing that you do? Do you have kind of a registry for baby stuff? Now what happens? Well, it's weird now. Like initially, because in the summer, so when I told a bunch of my friends, um, I have a really great close group of friends that a lot of them are gay men. And we joked that we were going to have a baby shower for me. We were going to do it outside of my friend's backyard. And we wanted to do like cocktails and the whole works. Like obviously I'm having a mocktail, but they were like, maybe we get like a drag queen to host it. Or maybe we get like, <laughs> we get like the nude male waiters, or maybe we get like a male stripper. Like we wanted to do something really funny and different. And then obviously cases go up and I realize, oh, I'm going to be doing a shower or I would have been doing a shower in the middle of winter. So we couldn't have been outside. And we were like, so now I don't think I will have a shower. So what we probably do is you do a registry and then we do what is yeah. what the what the kids call a sip and see. And that means that after the baby's huh. born, so hopefully when it's summer, m- me plus outside. baby. Outside. Yeah, exactly. We go outside so everyone can spread out and it's safer and we can, everyone can see the baby and have drinks. And I have to say, I like this even more because now at this party, I can have like a champagne or two. I can't wait. Like I, I can hold a baby if I'm sitting down. Like mm-hmm. if I'm sitting in a chair and I feel secure, I can yeah. have a baby handed to me, <laughs> but I can't walk around with one. Like it's just not part of I guess I'm just not maternal. Like I have but to face up to it. I, I, I'm the same way. Like I'm not like, again, historically, and maybe people are going to hear this and be like, Oh, like you're pregnant though. But I didn't like run towards a baby. Like I wasn't like, give me that baby. <laughs> like I wasn't like walking around parties, like holding a bait, the newest baby around. Like I like them just fine, but I felt like this is definitely going to be a skill that I learn versus naturally possess. I think you just get, I think you just, you just worry about it less too. And maybe it's your kid and you're doing it for months on end. Like someone else's kid. I'm like, this is their most precious thing in the world. And handling it felt like I was handling a, a, a grenade or something sometimes. The pins out, put yeah, it down. Totally. It was always their head. I was like, all I knew was I had to support their head. And yeah. we'd be watching my niece and nephew. And I sometimes like, I would sit on a yoga ball with them sometimes to try to like bounce them to sleep and stuff. And I noticed that I was like unintentionally giving them whiplash by doing this. And I was like, Oh, I <laughs> messed up the one thing I was supposed to do. Oh my gosh. I think you're going to be great parents. <laughs> um, I, I really do. I think it's so great. Maybe, maybe, you know, this is the time to have 
the baby shower, like in an actual running shower, like just have four people (laughs) um, shower at my place, bring bathing suit, tankini is required. (laughs) Uh, Gifts need to be waterproof, but apparently it really keeps the COVID down is to be in hot running water. It could be the new thing. The other thing that happens is my husband sadly can't come with me to any of my appointments. Oh, for so, God's sakes. Because they're trying to keep down the number of people in the waiting rooms. And so he can't come to any of the like ultrasounds oh, and all that's those things. Sad. That's kind of a ripoff for him. So I've taken lots of pictures and tried to take some videos, but like it's not quite the same, but that's okay. And then he's the only person who can come with me into the delivery room. Which so I'm Adam actually- and I can't be there. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I know we, you really. So we can't podcast that day. I know. I know you <laughs> wanted to see that a lot, probably. We should FaceTime for the whole delivery. Just put us on yeah. FaceTime, put the camera in the. We'll, the- we'll do the. Adam can edit out the, yeah. the yelling and the, and the cries for help. He can yeah. edit that out. Oh, well, I'm not going to like spoiler alert. I'm taking all the drugs. So okay. I joke that I'm like, I'm walking into the hospital, like tapping my arm vein and saying like, give me the stuff that took out Michael Jackson. Like I'm not <gasps> playing around. <Caitlin. laughs> like I want it all. Put it we into my send eyeballs. Send your letters to <laughs> Toronto. Um, well, I mean, when I was born, I, it took a couple of days. So I, I'm, I'm feeling you for sure. But my mom said, your head was so pointed that we had a hat on you for a year. I'm like, oh, well, that's, I love hearing this story every year in my birthday, mom. Thank you so much for telling it. It's so, well, I wanted to die. I didn't want you to die, but I had it. And, and I, and a, and a, you know, a 40 hour labor really is God awful. I mean, she said the doctor was on the way to do a C-section, but 58 years ago, they didn't just freaking let's do a C-section. They really mm-hmm. thought about it. Like yeah. they'd have their, their arm up there trying to turn a baby around before they'd give you a C-section, right? My, so, I cannot imagine. Yeah, like, my poor and mom. I, it's all over the place and, and it's so personal. And so like, I never ask people about their quote unquote birth plan. Like I don't really get into any of that. Uh, it's up to the mom. And so for me, like my whole thing is, um, I just am going to show up and let the doctor tell me what's best. Have you thought I, about the doula thing? That, like having a birth doula? Nah, not for me. I mean, I don't think I can, I don't even think I can have one actually, because I can only have my husband as my support person. So my OB is there. I mean, the truth is like a labor and delivery nurse, like this is their whole world. I know. My doctor, like, and like my OB, like she delivered, has delivered 10 babies in a friggin' day. So I'm like, I'm cool on just going to the hospital and seeing what happens. And well, I'm going to live vicariously through you. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so awesome that that you that this is happening to you and just quickly before we wrap up because marcy e is coming up next and i'm gonna <gasps> so i'm gonna keep, yeah and and um you can go and you just you can go take another pregnancy test just to make sure great but your mom and dad excitement yeah. plus right oh they're over the moon obviously they're so thrilled and they can't wait and same with my husband's family like they're they live in halifax Yay. and we haven't been able to see them at all so I think they're going to like caravan out here a couple weeks after the baby arrives and just, I think they're going to be here for like a month. I don't think we're going to be able to get rid of them. Well, congratulations. Thank um, you. I couldn't be happier for you. Adam and I are, we're, I'm already planning my care package. And I was saying to Caitlin, when she told me I have one tiny little good mother t-shirt left and it's coming to you. You're listening to the Jan Arden podcast. Marcy Ian is with us for the rest of the show. Don't go away. I've got a good- Keeps me here, feet on ground.
all, a massive congratulations going out to Marcy Ian, who as of, well, because this is airing on Saturday, as of two nights ago, uh, Marcy Ian won her seat in the Liberal Party. And uh, I, I just, how, Marcy, how do you feel? We are so thrilled to have you here. I know you've been on press like crazy, talking to a million people, and we're so grateful to have your time today. Oh my gosh. I am uh, beyond, beyond happy to be with you, Jan. And it's still sinking in. It is. I, I, I'm thrilled. I, I can't believe it. Um, but it's still, I, I, I said goodbye kind of at least a television goodbye um, to my social sisters and you know your honorary. And uh, I just, even in doing so and saying, listen, I love you. I'm not going to be with you every day anymore, but I love you. It just felt weird to say that because the whole thing is still sinking in. And at the same time, I've got to get to work. So it's about getting sworn in and then getting to the work, uh, you know, that people at Toronto Center deserve, Jen. And there's a lot, there's a lot to do. Marcy, can we go back a little bit? Um, yes. This is a huge decision. This is a huge decision to, to go and throw your hat into a political ring. We are living in the most divisive times that I think we've ever seen in Canadian history, both provincially, federally. COVID has added uh, an unbelievably unexpected layer to that divisiveness. And I, I just want to know, I mean, you're just coming off a brand new book as well, Off Script, Living Out Loud, which I read. Uh, I was privy to have an early copy of this book. Um, I just want to go back to the day that you were sitting in a chair or lying in bed or taking a walk when you said, Marcy Ian, I'm going to run for the Liberal Party. <laughs> and it wasn't even that easy or that simple. It, okay. crept, up, it crept up on me. And, and here's how. So I come from a life of news, of news reporting. And it meant reporting about other people, their stories, and a neutrality. There was nothing to do with me. That wasn't my job. And then I made the transition to the social. And all of a sudden, it was. It was, you know, my executives, my co-hosts saying, Mars, we need your stories. We want you to tell your stories of growing up, of being, you know, a black woman in Canada, what that feels like, a any challenges, you know, inclusivity, what that means to you, all those things. And I started speaking and I started sharing in a way that I frankly could never have shared before. And when that happened, I started hearing from other people who said, you're speaking for us, keep going. It's not just about you here, keep going. So when I talk about, you know, having black kids and being a mother and what that means, a son in particular, and what that means and, and how I am raising them and what allyship means and all of these things. I thought when this writing became available, it's one thing to talk about things. It's another thing to put action to those words. And that's exactly what I felt I had to do. But it was my kids actually that I went to first when I thought about doing this. And they gave me the green light. Blaze said to me, uh, when I said to her, Blaze, listen, I'm your mom. I have to be here for you. 
Um, this job is going to be even more demanding. And I, I said, I've got plans for you, Blaze. I have to get you to university inside of two years. I have to be able to pay for that, you know? And she said, she oh, said, yeah, that. Oh, yeah, the oh, money yeah, part. Oh, yeah. oh, the money part, right? And she said, you're saying a lot of I right now, Mom. I'm hearing a lot of I. And she said, listen, oh. the, de the decision comes down to either it's about you or it's about all of us. And Jan, that stopped me in my tracks. It's about you or it's about all of us. And I said, you're right, Blaze, it's about all of us. And so I threw my hat into the ring. And, and at the outset, I said, and we had a very small team, I said, we are going to talk to as many people as we can. We're going to connect via telephone, via virtual, via, you know, meeting them in places that they are physically distanced and let them know why this is important and why I'm running. And we're gonna leave it on the floor. And then we're gonna have the people decide because that's all we can do. But I'm gonna try my very best because I do believe it's something that, that I wanna do and my heart is completely in it and I wanna serve. So for me, it's about service. I can't imagine a person that is better suited for where you are headed. You are one of the most intelligent, charismatic, kind, um, altruistic women I've ever met in my life. And the first time I met you was many, many years ago. You and I both go back to Canada AM. Yeah, yeah, we do. And, you know, we go back to a time where the world was, was quite a bit different. It was pre kind of all these radical changes that we've seen of the split between the left and the right uh, long before pandemics were circling the globe. Could you have ever imagined, and I know life is a series of seemingly insignificant events, and then all of a sudden you find yourself at a place, but I would think that everything you've done in that journalism is such a great preparation. It's like being in the batter's box for 25 years, waiting mm -hmm. to go out there and swing. Is that, mm -hmm. do you feel like all those connections, you have interviewed everyone important people, political people, actors, theater people, uh, extremists. Um, that has got to help with the conversation that you're about to have with your constituents and this country. Mm -hmm. It absolutely, Jan. And you know, when you're living life, you don't see those building blocks. When you're in it, you don't see it. And do I see it now? Absolutely. Because both of these businesses, if I might call them that, are people businesses. Politics is a people business. Yeah. And, and reporting sure is too. And making that connection and actually listening to people and understanding them is a huge part about what I'm about to do right now. And I learned that reporting. I learned that, you know, talking to people every day and telling their stories. So you, you're, you're a single mom. And I think, you know, this is such a unique time in your life as a woman. Uh, I saw you celebrating a 50th birthday in Vegas, which <laughs> seems like a billion years ago. It does, it does. But I, um, I often wonder if this is something that is very much part of your journey as a woman getting older. Can you possibly imagine doing this even 10 years ago? 
Oh, not, are you kidding? So much has changed. Right. Obviously, obviously relationship status has changed, but 10 years ago, <laughs> 10 years ago, no, not at all. I was comfortable, right? That, I think that's the word. I was comfortable. I was interviewing. I had a full-time job. You know, I, I didn't have Dash yet, but I had Blaze and we were rolling along. But was I entirely happy? No, I wasn't. Was I comfortable and, and just put up with certain things that I probably shouldn't have? Absolutely. And so, no, I wouldn't have seen this. And I think the changes and the steps that I took helped me to get here. In this last minute in this, this segment, I just, I want to talk to you about just that, the power of getting older yeah. and what that feels like to be able to have 50 years to draw from Marcy and how that's going to help you going forward is drawing from those experiences. Drawing from each and every one of those experiences. I know what it means to be told no. I yeah. know what it means. I know what it means to be told you're not the right person for this job. You don't fit in here. Uh, I know what loss means. I know what triumph means. And so when you put all of these things together, and I know what perseverance means, this is the kind of stuff you draw on when you've got 50 years. If you don't have those 50 years, then you don't have the experience of losing, of, of major loss and getting back up again. I've had to get back up again so many times. <laughs> and, I now, and I now understand the lessons of it, Jen, that it's, it's in the times when we are most uncomfortable that we learn the most. It's the discomfort that we need to, that we need to get closer to. And, and it's the comfort that is, is the thing we need to stay away from. Oh, it yes. It's the thing we stay away from, right? It's, it's, getting, it's getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. We are talking to Marcy Ian, and she is one of the newest brand spanking members of the Canadian Liberal Party. We're going to be right back to talk more with Marcy Ian. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. My unbelievably special guest today uh, one of my favorite people on the planet, Marcy Ian, uh, newest member of the of the Liberal Party of Canada, and uh, I'm I'm just smiling in here. If you guys could see me, I, I just I cannot tell you how lucky we are to have Marcy Ian uh, being in public service, which is something she's been doing for a long, long time as a journalist, as a news reporter, as uh, a talk show host of a of a a program that she opened herself up and we talked about that a little bit in the last segment segment of you being put in a position for the first time in your 25 year career that you were now telling Marcy Ian stories and how that has kind of prompted this move into public service, telling your stories and having people respond to those things. Mm -hmm. Did you find it surprising when you started talking about your life, your missteps your, I mean, and we've seen it all unfold on social media too. And I'm going to get to that about how you've mm -hmm. dealt with social media, but mm -hmm. did you surprise yourself at your vulnerability? I did. I, I really yeah. did. I thought I'm going to be honest about things and I'm going to put it out there and you know, um, not, not, not everybody is kind when you do that. And I know we're going to get more to social media, but it hurts sometimes, you know, um, there was backlash about some of the things that, that I was saying sometimes. And I have to tell you, there were times I thought maybe I'm speaking out too much. 
maybe I need to pull back a little bit. And, and then I looked at it and I thought, no, I'm just going to keep going. But that's not to say that I wasn't scared sometimes. And that's not to say that it didn't hurt. It's just that I knew it was important. I knew what I was saying was important. And so I just kept with it. And that's the thing too. It's, there is, and we just talked about the importance of discomfort and to be in a place where you feel, you feel everything. It's, it's a bit of shame. It's a bit of guilt. It's a bit of embarrassment. I mean, it's kind of a, a mishmash and there's a certain amount of melancholia that goes along with social media when you're getting beat up. You, you and I are both public people. So I know exactly the arena in which you have fought and you make choices about blocking people or engaging with them. And you're kind of damned if you do damned if you don't the way you have navigated that Marcy over this last like three, four years has been inspiring and you've changed your tone a lot. You've changed how you deal with people that attack you not only personally, but professionally. Um, and it has been inspiring to me. I have learned from you about how I wanted to go about my own social media. I, you're one of the people that I follow when I read your responses and I'm always lifted by your light of how you go forward and how you talk to people. I just thought, Jen, that I'm either going to meet this with empathy yeah. or I'm not, or I'm not. I, I think that if somebody is spewing hate uh, or they are, are, are spewing something that's not lifting people up, then they must be in a pretty bad place, you know, and, and I'm not going to meet them where they are. I'm going to yeah. make sure that I take the high road and make sure they know that I love uh, respectable debates. I have no problem with a difference of opinion, but I, that I will not sink to their level. And so I've, I've always kind of kept that mantra that I will not. So I will respond because I, I, you're right, Jan, I responded to everybody. I know I was mind boggled. I'm like, she's going to respond to this. Yeah, I, I do. The, mo I, the most the hateful, I, absurd comments that came out of nowhere and and most likely marcy from people that weren't even really familiar with the thread they were commenting on um yeah. but you honestly so inspiring and this is what we need going forward and for me this is what leadership is is to you know the high road is is not always easy to take but you you have a way of disarming people and taking the, mm. the conversation down to a point where people can start hearing each other again. And you did that time and time again on social media. So I can't wait for you to see that happening in real time. How much of that do you attribute your ability to be a peacemaker and to be a communicator to your dad? All of it. All of it. Yeah. My dad, my dad's a retired educator and I was, absolutely privy to a lot of the young people that he dealt with in our community growing up in his schools and he always saw the good in people jan you know there 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 are there's i call them kids he calls them kids too but there <laughs> are there are people young people that i will meet to this day who you know because of the last name will say oh my gosh you're jolien's daughter right you're marcy and you're Joel. and i yeah yeah i am and they'll say Tell your dad I made it, you know, <laughs> let him know. I was in his office all the time. He was my principal and I got into trouble, but let him know I have a family and I've got a job. Oh and I my made God. It. I, 
I hear that all the time, but he always saw people where they were. You know, he always really believed and still believes that people are inherently good and that they just come upon bad circumstances sometimes. And that changes them. And that is, that is, that is something, uh, that is something, Jan, that um, I, I take with me to this day, that people are really products of their circumstances, that they're inherently good, but things happen along the way that change that. So he always spoke to that nugget of goodness and then tried to just expand from there. And that's where I get it from. It's such a gift to have that kind of mentorship and that kind of example. You and I had very different fathers, you know. And uh, when I first was given uh, the early copy of Offscript, your book, Offscript, Living Out Loud, um, very early on, you you spoke about your father. And um, I can't imagine... The, the level of pride in what you're doing. Um, what that must feel like knowing that you are pursuing such a, I think an honorable position in, in this country. And, and I don't think people really understand how difficult politics are and what, you know, not only have you submitted yourself to a social media kind of a talk show for the last few years, and now you're opening that box yet further, Open that box of people admonishing you, people judging you, people, you know, making assumptions. And you're opening that lid further, Marcy. Yeah. A lot of my friends, Jen, and family were so worried about that aspect because they saw the vitriol on social media and, and said, just what you're saying, what's going to happen now? And the way I see it, it was preparation. Had I not had the past couple of years and the stuff, the, the, the stuff that has been slung at me and at us as a show, I would yeah. have been prepared for this. I was like, this, I'll look at this as preparation. <laughs> I see this, I see this, I see this as research. That's how I see this and preparation. So at least I'm a little oh, bit ready. My gosh, the greatest training ground ever. But I love the experience that you bring to the job because let's face it, we know of a few people, some in power, powerful positions that are kind of like running the free world, but had no practical experience to go into politics. Yeah. Um, I've heard so many rave reviews. When, you, when I first found out that you were running, I, I don't think I've been that excited since like Christmas 1972. <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know why it hit me. Like Marcy Ian is running for office, and I wasn't afraid. And I tell you that on my parents' lives, I wasn't afraid. And I said to Cynthia, your colleague, I said, "She's gonna freaking win. <laughs> she is going to win." There was no doubt in my mind. And Marcy, I feel like you knew that you were going to win. I know you well enough to say that. I don't think, I don't think there was any question in your mind. There were challenges, Jen, but I felt for sure, for yes. sure, that it was where I was supposed to be. You yeah. know, I had that feel. It's like this is what you're supposed to do, kid. This is where you're supposed to be. So go, and I did it. And I and I wasn't sure, frankly, about the win part, but I knew I was supposed to at least try, without a doubt, without a doubt. You and I, and, and I'm not giving away anything here, 
we had a phone conversation a few years mm. ago. We did. And it was, a, it was a tough spot in your life, and probably a tough spot in my life too. There was lots of moving parts. My mom was unwell. You were going through you know, relationship changes and, and things were happening. And I just remember having a conversation with you and talking about the kind of decade you were about to embark on. Yeah. And yeah. how I, I said to you, I said, Marcy, you're coming into the best of yourself. Like I you're, you're, you're going to, you're going to be heading into such light. I mean, those aren't, I'm paraphrasing, but it was such yeah. a wonderful conversation. One that I, I just, I won't ever forget. And here you are. So for anyone that's pondering, changing jobs or trying to do things or thinking they're a certain age and I shouldn't wear this or I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't try. Can you speak to that, Marcy? Absolutely. That's our bathtub talk. And uh, <laughs> it's, it, it, it became, it became a chapter in off script because that's how much it meant to me. It was a turning point for me, Jen. And I want to add some context to it because we had seen each other earlier in the day and you were guest co-hosting on the social and you knew something was wrong. You, you didn't see a certain light in my eyes and you knew something was wrong. And I told you I was fine and you knew I wasn't. And I got home later that evening and I thought, this is, I'm not going to go to bed before I talk to Jen and let her know that she was right because she saw something and I have to honor that. She's, she's my friend. Uh, she's my friend. She sees something and I want to tell her what's up. And so it was a late evening and I gave you a call and, you know, bless you, you picked up the phone. And I said, I said, listen, um, I'm going, I'm going through some relationship issues right now. And you said to me, and I will never forget, you said, Marcy, you deserve to be happy. And whatever it takes to get there, that's what you have to do. And then you said, there is light on the other side. I promise you that there is. And those and words is. stayed with me. There is. Those words stayed with me, Jan. And you gave me the strength to change things. You are an inspiration. And I wish we had 45 hours. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I know you are exceptionally busy. I don't expect to be able to talk to you for, you know, quite some time. Uh, I hope you'll wave to me. Uh, oh, I, you know, Marcy, it's me. I'm totally teasing. I'm so proud of you. Uh, you are an example to to people everywhere, get out there and do things. You have my, my undying support. Um, please look after yourself out there. And uh, I, if you need someone to ride, you know, uh, as an outrider, I'm, I'm there for you always. Ladies and gentlemen, Marcy Ian, congratulations. Thanks for listening to the Jan Arden podcast. We will be watching you and cheering you on. Uh, we'll see you next time, everybody. To we do. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.